It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group and page, slash AlienConPod, I think. Isn't that it, Agent That Ether? is correct. All right, awesome. This week's episode, Astral Projection and Out-of-Body Experiences. But before we dive into that, it's time for Strange Events, Bizarre Facts, The Unbelievable Revealed. This is the mind boggle of the week. A man-made material that's out of this world. Some call it frozen smoke, solid air, or solid clouds. Aerogel is made by creating a liquid gel and evaporating the liquid using supercritical drying, leaving behind a porous structure. It retains its original volume while losing almost all of its mass. It was first created in 1931 when Samuel Stevens Kistler and Charles Learned made a wager to see who was the bigger nerd. It isn't really a gel, but a solid created from a gel. It is incredibly strong for its light density. It is 99.8% air. It is almost weightless. One cubic foot weighs about 1.5 ounces. It is also an excellent insulator because gases can't travel through it, and it barely has any solid mass to conduct heat. You can take a thin layer of aerogel, place crayons on top, and hit it with a blowtorch underneath and the crayons won't melt. Aerogel has been used to collect cosmic dust in space, for industrial insulation such as on the Mars rover, to make supercapacitors, to absorb chemical spills, for imaging, for building impedance matchers for transducers, whatever that means, and more. The Navy even used it in underwear, those dirty dogs. All right, now it's time for the show, Astral Projection. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Generally speaking, for those of you unfamiliar with the term, astral projection is an intentional, out-of-body experience. It separates the astral body from the physical body, and the astral body is able to travel throughout the universe. It's an ancient idea that pops up in multiple cultures. It's associated often with dreams and meditation. It can share similarities with self-hypnosis, hypnosis, or hallucinogens. So, for example, Western ideas can go back hundreds of years. And on the Western front, we have the idea that the astral body is an intermediate body of lights linking the rational soul to the physical body, while the astral plane is an intermediate world of light between heaven and earth, composed of the spheres of the planets and stars. The astral spheres are populated by angels, demons, and spirits. The astral body is also known as the subtle body. It is connected to the body by a silver cord. And we have some references. I found two references in the Bible that people sometimes interpret as being a reference to astral projection. In the final chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, an ancient Hebrew text, it says, Before the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be shattered at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern, this quote is sometimes interpreted as meaning astral projection. 
Also, in Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. That's actually an interesting quote because some people say that when you're astrally projecting or having these out-of-body experiences intentionally through either meditation, um, that you're opening your third eye. So that's an interesting <laughs> reference to uh, the third heaven. I, I thought you meant something else by the third eye, but never mind. <laughs> um, Brown eye? No, yeah. it's between your eyebrows on your forehead. It's supposed to be like the central point of wisdom. And some people think there's like a connection connection to your pineal oh, gland. Oh, that third mm-hmm. eye. Right, okay. which mm-hmm. is responsible for sleep cycles and hormone regulation. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind. I was confused. What third eye? What third eye are you talking about? Never mind. Don't worry about it. And uh, that's funny, too, because a lot of people who claim to have natural out-of-body experiences, a lot of it happens when they're in bed or, um, you know, in in some sort of a in-between state as far as consciousness goes. You know what I mean? Yes. And and – the, the some of the things like there's there's some pr- pretty wild stuff that people claim to have done while while being out of their body. Some people se- seem to be able to do it intentionally, like you're talking about, w- with intent as well. Like they they go certain places, you know, on purpose. Which that just to me is, it sounds wild. I've never had one of these experiences or anything like that, but like it just sounds so wild to me. But there is quite a bit of uh, research and in, in, um you know, uh, stuff to draw for, I mean, information to draw upon with this topic, but It'd beforehand, be I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, right. It does. It does kind of sound like something like that. Like, like if you were able to ha- harness this, uh, power or this process, whatever it is, um, there, there's some pretty cool stuff you definitely be able to do. And, uh, if it is a legit thing, I definitely would assume that, you know, governments have spent uh, time, you know, trying to, use this, this, you know, out of body experience type thing, you know, actually that's a whole nother episode, but you know, the, the, um, the movie, the men who stare at goats. Yep. I thought you were going to mention that. Yeah. That was based (laughs) on a whole project. I think it was project, uh, Stargate. Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. But they had a whole, I mean, they studied this stuff um, among other things, astral projection and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, cold reading and all kinds of weird stuff. They just studied for years and years. But, uh, if, if you look at the evidence, um, you only find evidence that suggests that they were basically goofing around and they didn't find anything. But the skeptical person might say, well, that's what they want you to think. They would never release the yeah. real stuff. They would only release the yeah. stuff that makes them look goofy. They don't care if they look uh-huh. goofy. They care that they don't get their information found out. Stargate was declassified in 95, and they spent $20 million doing psychic research, specifically for psychic spying during the Cold War. $20 million, that's when, nothing. When, yeah, when did that still, project happen? Was like was that like in the 70s? or? Uh, it started in, yeah, summer. in like 78. Yeah. Okay. But let's get back to, uh, got a couple more cultures to talk about here before we get into all that stuff. So the ancient Egyptians thought that the soul could hover outside of the body. Because I, I was just talking about the Western tradition with some of that. And I'm, I'm talking about a couple of different cultural traditions here that believe in some form of astral projection. And I'm not going to talk about all of them because, you know, we don't have the time. But I'll just mention a few here. So Taoist alchemical practice also has these beliefs. They think that it's possible to create an energy body by meditation. And here's a quote. Zhang Ji, with a drum as his pillow, fell fast asleep, snoring and motionless. 
His primordial spirit, however, went straight into the banquet room and said, My lords, here I am again. Just as an aside, I apologize for the horrendous pronunciation here. But um, when Susie walked to T-U-I-Z-H-I, Tweezy, whatever, walked with the officials to take a look, there really was a Taoist sleeping on the ground and snoring like thunder. Yet inside, in the side room, there was another Taoist beating a fisher drum and singing Taoist songs. The officials all said, although there are two different people, their faces and clothes are exactly alike. Clearly he is a divine immortal who can divide his body and appear in several places at once. At that moment the Taoist in the side room came walking out and the Taoist sleeping on the ground woke up. The two merged into one. And that's just one example. I found another example, this one from Hinduism. This is a quote by Meher Baba, a Hindu religious leader. hes I don't think he's around anymore, but he was a pretty big deal in his day. He said, In the advancing stages leading to the beginning of the path, the aspirant becomes spiritually prepared for being entrusted with free use of the forces of the inner world of the astral bodies. He may then undertake astral journeys in his astral body, leaving the physical body in sleep or wakefulness. The astral journeys that are taken unconsciously are much less important than those undertaken with full consciousness and as a result of deliberate volition. This implies conscious use of the astral body. Yes, Agent Either. Well, you mentioned the Taoist, and basically what he had there was a doppelganger, right? Right. He had a projection. He had separated his spirit from his physical body, but both were visible. His astral projection was actually visible. And some people actually say that witches are, in fact, astral projections. They're doppelgangers of, uh, of a female who is doing astral projection. I, th- I do believe that doppelganger is a German thing that's maybe closer to a, a cryptid than... Then astral project. That's a whole other thing, though. But das Doppelganger. Yeah, das Doppelganger. <laughs> Nine. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, though. That's interesting. A surprising number of cultures have ideas that are basically astral projection. The basic idea is that the spirit can journey elsewhere. Sometimes it's a physical place, like let's say Mars or the Kremlin. Other times it's a spiritual realm that exists on a different plane or dimension. Some even believe movement through time is possible. And we're also talking on this episode about out-of-body experiences, which is, uh, there's a, quite a lot of overlap between the two. But to me, when I looked into it, it seems like there's a little bit difference between them, between the out-of-body experiences and astral projection. So out-of-body experiences, a person sees the world from outside their body. And they often report seeing themselves, like hovering above themselves in, you know, in a hospital bed or something like that. The term out-of-body experience was introduced in 1943 by G.N.M. Tyrell in a book called Apparitions. It isn't generally associated with religion or mysticism like astral projection is, although quite a few people who've had an out-of-body experience do feel like it was a spiritual or religious experience. So um, I might be contradicting myself there, but uh, what I mean by that is is that um, astral projection is something that might be taught by a spiritual leader or you know a spiritual personality, whereas 
it seems to me that out-of-body experience is just a more general experience that kind of happens. But I'll let the other agents pipe in on the differences or similarities later on when, you know, when I'm done here in just a moment. So this is sometimes caused by uh, brain injury, sensory deprivation, near-death experiences, disassociative and hallucinogenic drugs, dehydration, sleep disorders, dreaming, and electrical stimulation of the brain. Some people claim to be able to do it at will. And surveys indicate about 1 in 10 people have experienced it. And last but not least, I found a really cool guide on WikiHow, How to Astral Project in 10 Easy Steps. So just uh, as a side note, please don't try this if you're listening while driving or operating heavy machinery. 1. Prepare by learning about astral perfection. Number one. (laughs) Number one. I don't know. I'm stuttering so much today. Ah, whatever. Number one. Prepare by learning about astral projection. Two. Practice in the morning, not at night. Three. Three. Learn how to hiccup, burp, fart, and uh, uh, I don't know, like something else at all at the same time. Crack your knuckles. You'll you'll break. (laughs) Yeah, crack your. There we go. Crack your knuckles. It's like breaking the sound barrier, breaking the astral barrier. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. There's a reason why they call it the astral barrier. If you do that, you'll be able to perceive the entire ultralight uh, violet spectrum. (laughs) All right, three. Create the right atmosphere. It requires complete relaxation. Four. Lie down and relax. Five. Reach a hypnotic state. Six. Enter into a state of vibration. Seven. Use your mind to move your soul from your body. Eight. Return to your body. Nine. Next time, try exploring the astral plane by leaving the room with your projection. Ten. Each time, go a little farther from your body. So if anybody is able to astral project or they try it at home, hey, get in touch with us. Let us know. I would love to hear if somebody was actually able to do this. And I just took some very short Cliff's Notes versions of this article. It's actually quite a lot longer, and each step is explained in a lot of detail. But uh, that would take maybe, you know, 15 minutes just to read that article, maybe a bit much for this episode. I actually tried to astral project when I was researching for this topic. How'd that go for you? I fell asleep. Well, that's not a bad result. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's pretty much all I had. Just a quick introduction to the topic. And uh, who I think Agent ETA wanted to go next, wanted to talk about some stuff. Yeah, why not? And uh, as a quick little side note, and I was going to say it earlier, but like, you know, the timing was off and I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, Doppelganger is actually my safe word. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing. I just, I was just saying is all, but so, all right. So, uh, at any rate, uh, the, uh, the fellow I want to talk about is, uh, Olaf Blanc um, or Blanc a blank. I, I forget how you, uh, I don't know how exactly you uh, pronounce his last name, but it's B L a N K E. So anyways, he's a uh, Swiss slash German physician, neurologist and neuroscientist. And, um, this fellow has, uh, done some pretty amazing um, experiments with people. Uh, uh, some of the more interesting ones, when it cons- uh, as far as it concerns astral projection, or not that in particular. It's really more so out of body experiences in, in particular. Um, but he's done some interesting stuff. So uh, he works. He's worked with um, uh, epile- epileptic patients uh, um, that already had claimed to have had some of these uh, experiences and stuff. And he actually uh, connected um, a multitude of electrodes to different parts of their brains 
and um, he would he would have them receive like a very very low electrical voltage in uh, different series and different like you know targeting different areas and stuff. And uh, the, the I guess a, a lot of the areas that he targeted didn't really produce much as far as like an out of body experience would would say uh, would 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 you know be. But um, he actually ended up. Uh, doing some pretty amazing things and actually um, being able to like reproduce so-called out-of-body experiences with some of his patients. And um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's pretty uh, amazing, I think. But um, so the, the guy would, uh, through these electrodes would put like, uh, like 2.5 to like three uh, milliamps um, to a specific part of the brain. And um, like the first part of like the experience from, from what some of the patients describe um, like they would feel themselves like falling like in a black hole and then they wouldn't necessarily be able to see anything around them really. And once he increased the, uh, um, the amperage, uh, just slightly to about like 3.5 to 5 milliamps, um, that's when they started having like out of body experiences. And, um, the first time, and, and mind you, like while they're doing this, it's not for a very long period of time. Most of the periods are about two to four seconds, you know, so they're, they're very short periods of time. It's kind of like flipping on a switch and flipping it off again. You know what I mean? So, um, but the, the patients do describe like being out of their body and like sometimes being able to, to see their legs, but not the, like the whole thing, but they can, they can see the whole room. Like the, they feel like their back is like up against the ceiling from what uh, some of the descriptions go. I find it pretty, uh, astonishing because this is all well-documented you know, and this guy is a, a, a well-respected uh, member of his community. Um, I, I've seen some of his lectures and stuff. The guy knows what the hell he's talking about. I mean, he's th there's plenty of what he talks about in his lectures that go right over my head. I'll tell you that damn much. But um, I, I, I find uh, his uh, experiments pretty impressive because of what he was able to produce. You know what I mean? I'm imagining this at parties, man. That would be a wild time, right? <laughs> I know, right? Hey, let me uh, let me uh, attach some electrodes to your dome piece. But, but I, you know, uh, you know, the one thing I didn't really look into is exactly how the electrodes were attached to the patients, because I, I got the impression that like these were like you know invasive uh, procedures. You know what I mean? Like they. I could get that. I'm guessing they just shave like little patches and then, I mean, when I've had physical therapy, I get, you know, uh, some electro shock. I don't know if it's the same thing, but they would attach it in mm -hmm. two different locations and then you could feel it like through your muscles and it would make your muscles twitch. Like they yeah, put it in, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and, and one of the, I remember one of the things I hear, I heard him say in, in uh, one of his lectures that um, he says easily, well, a conservative estimate is about 5% of the population worldwide on average uh, actually have like uh, out-of-body experiences without even, you know, they're like random experiences that they didn't necessarily try to induce themselves. They just happen. You That's know actually I mean? a higher number than I would have predicted. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard I've, I've heard as high as 20, but that, I think uh, I think that kind of depends on what your definition of what a, a, an out-of-body experience is because – I mean, the, the definition isn't necessarily exact. You, you know what I mean? There's, there's, I mean, it seems to me like there's hundreds of ways, if not more, to induce um, an out-of-body type experience. You know what I mean? Like whether it be through like a meditation, like, like had, you know, how you guys mentioned earlier, Hinduism, there's a heavy tradition of meditation and quote-unquote, uh, you know, astral projection within that culture. And um, there's a lot of people within that culture that, that claim to do it, you know, 
pretty often. I'm not that familiar with Hinduism, unfortunately, but it sounds, yeah, from what I've read, it, it looks like it's a part of many different cultures, not just, you know, one or other, mm-hmm. which is, I find highly interesting because if there was nothing to it, then it might just be one or two crackpots saying, oh yeah, sure, I can do this. But when you have, you know, people around the world, cultures that developed independently from each other, and they have similar experiences, it kind of makes you take a step back and wonder, well, what if, you know, even though I've never experienced something like this, what if there is something to it? It's, it's kind of interesting. And uh, the second thing I actually wanted to talk about, and this is kind of leading into it, is, um, and you had mentioned, like, some people claim to have had, like, a very long experiences while in astral projection or in the out-of-body experience, whatever whatever you want to call it. A lot of shamans, like um, in Central and South America that, that deal with like ayahuasca, they claim to have like uh, basically like like separate lives, like separate from this world, like within like the spirit, the spirit realm. You know what I mean? Their spirit bodies are different than uh, the ones that they have in this, like the, your physical body that you might call it. You know what I mean? And they, they even have, they even go far as far as to say, like, they have, like, uh, like, uh, like wives in the spirit realm. Right. They're having Chil- sex. Chil- children in the spirit realm. Yeah. <laughs> Certain interactions. Is that it's, cheating? It's great. It's, it's, uh, Inquiring I mean, minds want to know. I don't is know. it cheating it's, it's like, if you it, have astral sex? Well, I've heard some people say, like, hey, if it's on a di- different continent, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so what, here it's on a I different, mean, like, What's, realm of existence. <laughs> what stays plane. on the astral plane or what happens on the astral plane. <laughs> yeah. You know you know what I mean. Yeah, what yeah, happens exactly. on the astral plane stays in the astral plane. Huh? Hell yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, there I I, I would make an exception. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, hey, I mean, how often in life do you get a, a you know, a chance to hook up with a hottie on the spirit realm, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you got kind of got to take the opportunity if it, you know, if it comes to you, right? I mean, what would that sex be like? <laughs> I've never been in the spirit realm, dude. I don't even know. That could be uh, amazing. I imagine it would be very windy. <laughs> oh, windy. <laughs> that makes sense. For some reason, that makes sense. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, um, one thing that you find like in shamanism, to bring us back home here real quick, uh, is a lot of times when shamanistic shamanistic traditions are, are, are talked about, like they have to go through like a process in order to get uh, in touch with their gods. Right. Like uh, using some sort of like a DMT der- derivative, like ayahuasca or like, you know, um, in Egypt, the, the blue water Nile Lily had a high concentration of uh, DMT or like a, you know, like the acacia bush. I think the bark had a high concentration of uh, DMT and they would make tea out of it. But at any rate that there's a, a, a you know, a common thread here uh, within shamanism, very, very early shamanistic traditions, um, well, e- even still to this day, uh, people who, who uh, um, have shamanic t- shamanistic traditions, they have to have, I guess you could say, you could call it an out-of-body experience in order to get in touch with their gods, you know? Mm. I find that kind of interesting because like, shamanistic traditions uh, date back to the very earliest roots of every religion in existence, as far as I know. Well, all the oldest religions. And they actually meet their gods. So in the Western traditions that oh, we yeah, know yeah. about, uh, it seems that you don't really interact directly with the gods. Like either if you're being bad, they might smash you with a rock or hit you with a lightning bolt or something, but you don't actually ever get to talk to them in person, really. Unless, of course, one of the war gods is impersonating a husband out at war and impregnates the wives that are left behind. I mean, that's, I guess that's an exception, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I had to talk about. You know what I mean? You know? 
All the two right. things I wanted to touch on, I suppose. I think that's pretty cool, though. I mean, honestly, I mean, being able to communicate on some level. Like, I, I would get it, like, if there was, I mean, I don't know, like, if I was Jim Morrison out in the desert becoming the Lizard King, you know what I mean? Like, I think uh, you could have some serious uh, communications with some some deity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I tell you one thing. If, if I could astral project to any place on the Earth that I wanted to, I would astral project right into the freaking depths of the Vatican and find out what the hell they're hiding. That would be cool. <laughs> or like winning lottery tickets. Definitely. I'd, I'd scope out some, some of those, um, or even being able to go back in time and take the body uh, the control of somebody who's lived in the past, like oh, to yeah, witness it yourself. Right that would be insane. Oh, if, if I could go back to the, you know, in the past to any point and now we're getting just kind of crazy, but like, I would absolutely freaking love to like like astral project into the past and see who really built like like the pyramids or the structures like in in, in South America, you know what I mean, like in Peru and stuff. Right. And, and yeah, just to be a like, part of it and to actually feel and smell what the what they yeah. did back in the day. Yeah, that would be so Hell awesome. Yeah. That'd be absolutely amazing. If you astral project into the body of like an ancient Egyptian or something, and then. But you wouldn't speak ancient Egyptian, so they, you know they would be saying, "Oh, pick up this rock." But you'd be like, "I don't understand you. What do you want?" Yeah. <laughs> you're speaking English, you, and they're just like, "Yeah." You'd just be confused be the whole time. And the last yeah. word I heard was "hold the door." Hold door. Hold the door. <laughs> hold door. Hold door. I actually didn't like that subplot. I gotta admit. The whole time, it's like, "Ah, oh, that's what he's saying." Come on, come on. It was right in front of your face the whole time. <laughs> What a twist. Yeah. I love Hodor. <laughs> the weakest twist ever. Poor mouth. What a twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, no, but that whole that whole show, though, just... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started. Oh, my God. Shh. Hey, there's a mascot. There's Buddy. Yeah. There's, there's our right. resident cryptid. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Rude. All right. Well, I think Agent Kruger had some stories, some, actually some firsthand accounts for us. Well, yeah, I definitely am one of those people that would claim to have had a, an out-of-body experience. It wasn't something that was induced or like something I was like a goal I was trying to achieve. But uh, I was under duress um, two occasions actually. Um, one was the first occasion was when I was in the water. I would, I out here in California, I can't pass up a good good wave when you you see it, and that's what I did. I tried going in. I I love body surfing and just you know submersing myself in the water. This happened about um, geez, wow, this has happened like more than like twelve plus years ago. I mean, this was a, a while back, and this totally shook me to my core. Uh, I was out in the ocean with my buddies, and we uh, we went out immediately um oh, i'm gonna start over again sorry this is a personal experience sorry I'm, i actually get like shook up because of how close i was to just dying here um anyway so my friend and i we decided to head out in the ocean and we actually went out a little bit further than we typically do and all signs pointed to you know it's not a hard you know there's no serious currents or anything like that but should go to show that you know mother nature is unpredictable whether it be in the ocean or you know snowboarding or you know rock climbing doing some crazy stuff uh there's always that error to be you know something to go wrong and we got hit with this large wave out of nowhere and it 
completely washing like you know washing machine just completely circled us around we got twisted up onto each other and we hit the sand like the actual sandbar and like we were fate like i was face down into it and it was a like a freakish wave that came out of nowhere we popped right back up and it as in doing like coming up for air we somehow got sucked out further and again further and typically you know i've been grown up by the coast of california so i've been out in the water a number of times so i know what to do at this point is to swim to my side unfortunately my friend didn't know that off the like you know off the top of his head so he was trying to swim back to shore which you do not do you always want to go left or right or whatever you can't like just even go out into the ocean but you just want to make a diagonal line until like you know you're out of the current um he wasn't and he was struggling so i tried to go back and help him and as i did that another wave came up and smacked us down like really hard and it would just became this this constant, you know, we go down and we pop back up. Uh, I started losing air quite quickly because I'm yelling and also trying to, like, keep calm, which is it's not very easy. But uh, mm-hmm. when well, uh, I went down. Real serious real quick in the ocean. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it doesn't take much at all, you know? Yeah. And about like the third or fourth time like we we got sent down i i was getting growing very tired and very weary and i don't know what happened but it was like my adrenaline kicked in um and it just like it sputtered out like it wasn't enough to get me out of the situation like i typically do and i started losing air and i actually gave up um completely like was like all right well this is now I die. Wow. Sorry, buddy. You know, like, sorry, friend, I brought out into the ocean and all this stuff. And then, and I accepted my fate as I did that, like this sensation came over me, this sense of like calm and familiar, like feeling in a familiar place. And I, I swear to God, like, I swear to you, um, this happened. I, I had this, this moment where I was looking over the shoulders of two individuals that I didn't know, but like for myself, you know, agent Kruger, but this other feeling of like, Oh, it's a familiar place. Like I mentioned. And, but it's so hard to explain the sensation, but I was watching them watch me basically, you know, drown. And it wasn't like anything visual, but like the no, the the information of like, oh, I died, and this is my next stop type of deal. Like it was just known. Like I just knew, like it's safe. Let go. Accept this new reality. And like I just, it wasn't a long, like you know, vision, if you will. But uh, it. I sucked right out of it. Like, you know, in a dream when you realize, oh, you fell asleep or you're dreaming and you wake up and you snap right out of it. It was that type of sensation where I I just kicked out of nowhere and started just seeing red and green and I just started fighting and and luckily I got out of the riptide and it was just a whole episode. Lifeguards were on duty, but they weren't looking and they came out and, uh, but it was, uh, it was, it was weird, but not as weird as the second occasion because that, that's an incredible that that is an incredible experience right there. I mean that that's is a near death experience. I mean that that yeah that that would be something that would definitely shake 
my ass to the core, you know? Well, see, that's the thing is it, it wasn't the only vision that I had at that point in time. So like flash forward a couple of years later, I, uh, would do a lot of skating and I had an accident where I, uh, fell and, um, hit my head and had this, this, (laughs) like it was, it wasn't good, but, uh, Anyway, uh, getting back to the story, I, I had a moment where I was going to the restroom, or I wanted to, and uh, I was standing up in the bathroom, and this was in, the, this was in a uh, public restroom, and it was at my college at the time, and I was, you know, just about to get, in, get into business, get doing what I came to do, um, but all of a sudden, like, somebody l- shut the lights out in the bathroom or something like that, and I, I mean, I completely don't know what came on or what triggered it but all all of a suddenly i just knew that like again i was unconscious and there was a sensation of like i was watching myself in the third person climb like a really hard obstacle like in between two rocks like like both your right hand and your left hand are wedging yourself into place from preventing you from falling through this giant crack and I was trying to climb upward to this bright orange warm glow. And it wasn't like a holy light or anything like that. But it was it was something that, again, I was familiar with. And it was something intangible. And it was just like, you just got to reach. You just got to get, get up there, man. You just fight. But I, was in, I wasn't there. I was trying to get there. And I could see myself in that third person. But then below me was like, the blackest black I have ever like could imagine. Like it was dark. It was you. It was so void of like devoid of light that it scared you to look at. You're like, I don't want to <laughs> fall down there. That's all I knew at that point in time. And uh, this was at a point in time in my life where I had a family member that was on her who was battling cancer and stuff like that. And there was other. She she unfortunately lost that that battle, and it was just the sense of I, I was into some other things at that point in time where I felt like I wasn't, you know, heading down a good path for my life. And, uh, I took it as a, you know, whether it be a holy sign or just a sign in general, I took it as such. And it totally, it gave me a new perspective on just, you know, um, not a new perspective. I don't know how to explain it. It just, Kick it lit a fire under my butt to you know change. Um, I woke up from that that sense that that whole vision, and I was on my knees, face pressed up against the bathroom stall door, completely unconscious, and somebody was shaking the door trying to get in to help me. And <laughs> I I woke up, unlocked the door, and I was on my knees like completely a pale white. And just like no color in my face, and I'm white as is. So to get whiter than I am now is it's scary. So then I'm like translucent, and it's uh, yeah. From that from that point on, I I changed trying to do certain things in my life that I won't you know talk about here. But it was a real wake up call in a lot of ways, and I don't think I'd be the person I am today if that didn't happen. And I like to believe that. It was a, a sort of auto or out of body experience, if you will, or, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't astral project myself into that situation. At least I don't know. But, uh, 
if it's anything relatable to that, then yeah, it definitely happened to me. That is an amazing story. Thank you for sharing it with us. (laughs) No worries. Sorry if it was longer than it needed to be. No, not at all. It was so interesting and and very personal. So thank you. I I guarantee you that people are going to want to know more, even more details. I mean, that's a, that's uh, most people, I think, maybe haven't experienced anything quite like that. I certainly haven't. That's a pretty extraordinary experience, and it seems like you've taken something really positive out of it. Out of it, which you know, right. if you've taken something positive out of it, that's really that's the best outcome you can get, right? right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, it scared me. I mean, it definitely was like, why did that happen to me? Is is this a form of you know God talking to me? Was that that warm radiant light, heaven, and? The, the void below me, darkness, you know, hell, and I'm in the middle. And if I were to die then and there, I'm in purgatory, you know, like, or it was, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it, and the, the thing is, is what, what I was watching myself climb in between that crack, it almost was reminiscent of my brain. Like, as if I was looking, and maybe it could have been a wild hallucination in the end, but it was definitely, it didn't feel like that. And it really didn't feel like that. We all take certain things from our, our dreams and whatnot. I understand that. But I really, like, this was the most vivid thing I could ever, like, I could feel the texture of whatever I was touching. And it just didn't feel, it just felt so weird. And <laughs> I haven't had anything like that since. But, you know, whatever. I'm open to it. <laughs> you know, if I, I not in the way it happened the past two times. But, you know, if there's a way I could unlock that part of my brain or if I could just meditate more deeper or what have you, I'm up for it. I'm game. The way I interpret that kind of things is everything we see in our reality, the room we look at, the way time passes, everything in our life is constructed by our brains. It's not reality. It's how our brains perceive reality. So if you have a different perception than you normally have, and you can't necessarily prove it in a laboratory, that doesn't mean that it's not real. It might be an unusual way that your brain is interpreting things or maybe your spirit or something. But, um, you know, you hear about these things and I always I always just think that, you know, if you look at all of the stuff in the universe, we're only able to perceive a very small amount of it or just look like at the flow of time. It's just a completely artificial construct like that, you know, one second, 60 seconds equal, equals a minute. We, you know, time cycles and like a day, week, month, mm-hmm. year, whatever. There could right. be a race out there who perceives for them one year is like 10 seconds or maybe the other way around, right? One year is one day for them or something like that. It's all just, it's all constructed. It's not, it's not the reality of the universe. It's the way we're perceiving the universe through our own biological construct, I don't know if that made any sense or not, but it does mean that. What I'm trying to say is that even though it was an unusual experience, doesn't mean that it was like an invalid experience or a hallucination of some kind. It could be, it could be a form of reality is I guess what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, it's, it's like take, take for instance, like the pineal gland, right? There's been a lot of study and research on the pineal gland, but ultimately we really don't know much about it you know and this is an organ within our body you know what i mean and we particularly don't know why it produces dmt which is a weird freaking thing in my opinion you know why why the hell would your body need to produce dimethyltryptamine you know what i mean i think it's the same you know cut from the same cloth when it comes to adrenaline like it's a you know 
it's well, something yeah, but, to do. But like in relation to consciousness, though. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. I, I know for a fact my pineal gland has to be calcified by now. Like, I mean, I <laughs> dream every once in like a year, it feels like. And if I do, I have to like wake up and remember it and be like, oh my gosh, that was cool. You know, like what what did I just have? And then for some other people, it's it's simple. It's like a second, yeah. you know, oh, I go to sleep and I, I'm flying F-18s. What are you doing, man? You know. Like, oh, that'd be badass. I know, right? Oh, yeah. That'd be so I'm freaking Tom awesome. Tom Cruise in all my dreams. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think a quality of sleep really uh, directly relates to you know the quality of health uh, your, that mm. your body is, is in. You know what I mean? Right. It seems to me like, and this is one of the uh, the, the like the fundamental like uh, foundations of like um, like you know within Hinduism as uh, you know relating to like a uh, meditation and astral projection is that if your body isn't in you know, a, a good shape, then there's no way you're going to be able to reach this height of, um, ascend to this height of, uh, being, you know what I mean? In order, in order to do this. And, and like, I'm not, I'm not talking about like ascending, like, you know, to become, you know, an ascended Saiyan or super Saiyan or something like that, you know, <laughs> but like, no, they, they just say that you have to speak be, for yourself. <laughs> well, Hey, I would love to. My name is Kakarot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I would love to be able to go Super Saiyan. Believe you me, you know. I mean, uh, first and foremost, I would I'd have a bunch of uh, golden locks, and, and right now, I mean, uh, my hair is a little lacking. I, I shaved my head because I just let it go. You know what I mean? Like I got bald spots and stuff. It got a little cul-de-sac action in the front. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. <laughs> you know, That's but like great. you know, I just let go. I just at some point, I just I you know, I just started shaving it. But like you know what? I'm not gonna be one of those guys. You know what I mean? They're just like holding on to every last uh, hair. You know. Uh, like with a, with a comb over, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, my dad not, back in the day. Yeah, I know. That, that ain't me, man. That ain't that, that just ain't me. You know, that's I'm just, sexy. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'll shave it anyway. It's, it's, it's cheaper. It's way cheaper. I can tell you that much. There's you know? somebody I, into everything, I guess, or you know, something for everybody. My uh, my hair, like I've gone through two cycles of like nearly twelve. Like I'm almost at twelve inches, I think. Like I, I've gone. God damn, twelve inches. In out. Yeah, yeah. That's not that long. It's really long, man. <laughs> I got the Ibrahimovic like ponytail going on. Man bun. <laughs> Rona has been uh, somewhat kind and somewhat it. not kind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's been kind of my hair, but not my waistline. I've my hair I have less hair than when we started all this BS, but at some point, I just I had nothing else to do, so I started working out every day, so I'm uh, slightly less fat. <laughs> you're shredded. Now you're jacked. Uh, nah, I'm working on it. Give me another five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's natural. No, two years natural. The rest are all steroids and anabolic halo. Yeah, I got Hell it. Oh, yeah. All, dude, all the steroids, all the SARS, all the uh, everything. Fuck it. Why Give not? it to me. So, no, you yes. mean, I, think, I don't think you mean SARS. <laughs> Oh, did uh, I yeah, say SARS? you mean the <laughs> testosterone, the sterones? <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean SARS that. is a. Uh, huh. <laughs> I think you mean something You're else. A braver man than me, Agent ETA. What, what is that shit that I'm talking about? <laughs> SARMs, selective SARMs, yeah, androgen yeah, yeah. Re receptor modulators. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, either which way, it all works. It all does yeah. something, right? Hey, whichever right. comes first. One kills you, know you I mean? one does not. <laughs> one makes you a god, the other makes you a simple man. Yeah, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Well, I hear that. I think it depends on the context, but all right, yeah, right. Let's let's get let's move along to uh, Agent Ether. I think had a presentation. Now, 
Uh, I don't know exactly what she's going to say, but she's a scientist, so she's probably going to be a stick in the mud. Let's see. What, what do you got for us, Agent Ether? I'm not a stick in the mud. Okay, I have actually two things to say, <laughs> and I'll start with the stick in the mud stuff, and then I'll move on to something which you guys might consider more fun. So there's a, uh, a journal, Frontiers in Human Neuroscience, and they published an article, Voluntary Out-of-Body Experience and MRI Study. There was this woman, and she claimed she could have at-will, out-of-body experiences, or what they went to call uh, extracorporeal experiences, or ECEs. And they put her in an MRI machine, and they asked her to spontaneously have these experiences, and then they recorded her brain imagery, her brain function, during these times. So in general, all the experiences of your body are processed by your brain. It's like our central processing unit, and it allows us to interact with the outside world. Your body experience is based on sensory input and information, so we can track ourselves in space and it can guide our movements. Uh, When we imagine ourselves moving this way, it's called motor imagery. So when you close your eyes and you picture yourself walking, specific parts of your brain are going to light up. And that's different than when you're picturing someone else doing activities. That's called kinesthetic imagery. So what they found was that the cerebellum showed activity consistent with actual movement. And not only that, that regions lit up that were associated with action monitoring, watching someone else move. So this whole study, the conclusion they came to was that these extracorporeal experiences or out-of-body experiences represented this unusual type of kinesthetic imagery, which was a different result than they expected. So this doesn't necessarily prove anything. I just thought it was really a very interesting study. It was like 25 pages long, and I did not understand most of it, but the parts I did understand I found pretty fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, I'm not real. I don't really understand it either myself. But it, it sounds really cool. I heard Ta-da. you talking there. Yeah. I heard <laughs> you talking there, but some of those words just like uh, I don't know, man. All right, then moving know. moving on. I think it was English. That was English, right? Something less dry. On Reddit and Discord, <laughs> there is a group of people, and they call themselves the Astral Army. Oh, now we're talking. And hell yeah, brother. <laughs> and their their motto is. Projection for protection. Oh. Yeah. That reminds me of this one time. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a group of people who purposefully try and have these out-of-body experiences, uh, astral projection, to go to off-limit places like Wuhan, military bases, the Pentagon, and Skinwalker Ranch. and Yeah, and the Vatican. And the Vatican and the White House. Now, these same people claim when they go to these locations, they're actually met with resistance, that there's a spiritual guard waiting for them there. And so they're unable to proceed in their experiment because they're being blocked. That sounds convenient. (laughs) 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 So just recently, there was an announcement. They wanted to have a healing gathering. So they had this specific sigil, which... It looked like it had been made in like Microsoft Paint. It wasn't very advanced, but you're supposed to memorize the symbol. 
with specific intent, and then you all gather together in one area in the astral plane, and you meet, and you have a healing exercise. And a lot of people claim they'll meet people in the astral plane and then meet them later in real life, and they'll share these experiences with one another. Hmm. Yeah. Now, at the same time I was reading all of this on Reddit, an ad popped up, and I thought this was pretty amusing. It was an army recruiting advert. So, oh, nice. <laughs> join the because army. Because it had that word. Sneaky bad. <laughs> the algorithm was just like, oh, yeah. Uh, give them, let's give them this advertisement. Yeah. So some people claim they were victims of astral spying and harassment. So they said they would go to these secure locations and then something would follow them back and harass them as they tried to sleep. And then they would post these oh. and ask people to help them. You know, what do I do? I'm in this situation. Like a, and everybody like would come up with suggestions for what they, what they should do. Um, some people talked about hearing voices, sharing dreams, and we mentioned earlier time traveling. They would share their experiences time traveling, and also it was a place to give tips and tricks for how to astrally project. So if you want to learn more about it, you can join the Astral Army. They have a Reddit page, and they are on Discord. Hmm. hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're really into it, there is a place for you. There is a home for that. Hmm. Well, they do have... Pretty much everything on Reddit. All right. Well, thanks for that, Agent Ether. That was very interesting. Yeah, I've heard stories before of attempts to infiltrate various facilities. And, you know, if, if you're just a civilian and you're trying to infiltrate certain areas, you're looking for trouble, you're probably going to find it. So maybe don't astral project into, you know, Area 51 or any place like that. If, if they're going to defend it in the terrestrial realm, why wouldn't they in the astral realm, right? Right. Or if you do and it's successful, let us know and uh, don't get yeah. caught. Yeah, don't get well, caught. I, I was I was going to say or or just do because I doubt there's any like, you know, legal ramifications. No, I there mean, are spiritual ramifications. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you don't have any constitutional protections on the astral plane. Because that's what I was talking about. Oh, things true, huh? Things follow you back and then they harass you and you try and project again. And like, I've also like heard this in the past where it's like, yeah, I mean, on a certain level, you're, you you could be inviting an entity in, you know what I mean? Or like, that's what I've heard. It's like you're opening up your own portal right. to be able to see into some other world or whatever, but well, people, it doesn't mean that your door is closed for everyone. Right. People talk about meeting demons, for example, when they're astrally projecting. It's not always safe. Um, yeah, no, not to take much of anyone's more time, Agent Anderson, Agent ETA, or, or Agent Ether, but uh, the thing I wanted to mention, I, I was kind of like apprehensive on mentioning this story because I really, this really did happen to me, and I, it could be chalked up just to missing somebody so much that you'd want to talk to them again. So, like, this isn't supposed to be mushy-gushy anything. And like I mentioned, Agent Anderson, if you want to cut and dice this out, go for it. Um, my father passed when I was, like, 10 and at a young age. And so years went by where I just, you know, obviously there's no one to <laughs> – you don't have a dad to talk to. It's just, you know, it's normal. People go through it, you know, some earlier than others. Um, but – when I was 13, I had this specific instance, and it's not just me, um, or I'll save that a little bit, but I mean, I had this instance where I 
had a full on conversation and a whole on like dream with my dad and he had visibly aged and this could have been just a radical like I miss I miss him dream and I I want to hear his voice again kind of thing but uh this was different like this was he had current events that he knew happen and it the whole it it, it was just so weird it was a it was all from the first person. It wasn't a third person type of situation. I was like on a salt plain field, like a blank white slate, but there was a house out there and it was a rickety old house, but it was, it was up. It was standing up and it, it was fine. The curtain, the, the actual like screen door was somewhat, I could visually see it flapping in the distance. Like, you know, as wind was, you know, flapping it back and forth, if you will, but it was nothing like, hollywood-esque if you will it was just like boom desert boom house boom you're inside it you're in the kitchen you're talking to your dad and like go for it and like he had a newspaper in his hand and he pointed to uh these oakley's that i don't know if you guys remember in the early 2000s that they uh wanted to do like mp3 and sunglasses in one and it was an oakley like type of deal anyway he wanted that pair like he he pointed it out in the paper and he's like you see that i gotta get a pair of those but he visibly gained weight too so then this was another situation and like the the hair around his like where he could grow hair on top of his head it was visibly like it was different it was as longer it was like as if he was long gone and then like was in some like a castaway situation like and he was tom hanks the air got to it and all that stuff but uh he we had a full-on conversation. He asked about my mom. He asked about my brother. He asked about, you know, his other kids, you know, like, how's everybody doing? And it was like, like, he never left. He never was gone. It was like, what the heck? And then, like, as mysteriously, and, like, there was a few other words that were trans, like, we we had, like, I mean, like I mentioned, we had a full conversation. And, like, he asked about how everybody was doing, how I was doing, um, what my plans are. And that he, he full on was like, hey, all right, you're with your mom and your brother. And, you know, you got to watch out. You got to take care of them. And like, like that moment, it like, you know, any drink, like I just kicked in with like, I miss you. Where the heck are you? And like, there was more emotion behind it. And then I woke up and then I was like, whoa, <laughs> what the heck? Like, but the thing is, is that I've never had that dream. I'm 28 now. And that was when I was 13, 14 ish. I haven't had anything that vivid or that real to that extent where I'm talking to a past loved one. Um, and I was conv- like, you know, still to this day, I'm convinced. And then only reinfor- like reinforced that fact when I spoke to my other two sisters that had <laughs> similar dreams, each to their own. Was one dream different from the, uh, the, you know, from the other? Uh, one of my sisters was in a bar. And they were both having a drink and they were just talking, you know, catching up. And my other sister, she had it where he visited her home. And there was like this whole situation of like, you know, visiting his grandkids that he never got to see. And it it was just weird. It was just something that we all kind of just linked up and we're like, yeah, that, that happened to you too? That happened to you? And my, my brother hasn't mentioned, you know, any stories that are similar to it, but he has mentioned that. He's had feelings and this and that. So I do like to believe in that the dead could communicate through dreams or some sort of form of communication to, you know, say goodbye. And if there were like my dad, he could have been in a position where he wasn't, you know, 
ascended right away after he died. So he was making amends for things he might have done wrong and he could have been in purgatory. And then the, when he was leaving, it was like, all right, got to say goodbye and I won't be able to see him again. So, you know, it's just something that felt, you know, right behind that explanation. But yeah, it was just, it was crazy. So, I mean, Sorry, if, I don't know. Now I don't know where I'm going with it, but I just feel like well, it's all dreams, tied together, like lucid dreaming, out of body experiences. Yeah, yeah it's right? all they're all what's called intraumatic experiences. So there's there's a link between all of them. Thanks for sharing that personal experience, Agent Kruger. It's definitely no, no it definitely <laughs> ties in, and th- those things are. I mean, I I can't say that I've ever had an experience quite like that. I've I have had strange experiences, but that's maybe for another episode. But uh, that's, I mean, it kind of makes me wonder if there is some sort of astral plane where, you know, after you pass on, maybe maybe you go on to some other existence, some other plane. Maybe it's heaven. Maybe who knows what it is, but maybe there is a mm-hmm. meeting place somewhere. It's just kind of interesting to think about. Agreed. Yeah. And thank you for letting me share. I appreciate it. And I hope oh, it yeah. wasn't again, I hope it wasn't too much. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Process not at all. or whatnot. Yeah. Cool. Not at all. It it all ties together, like Agent Ether was saying. All right. Well, I think that's about all we have this week. Thanks for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, alienconpod at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group, Alien Con Pod.